Welcome to the Husk Guys Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Husk Guys Podcast. Number three, episode number three. This is our first time uh, recording after uh, a game, which is one of the things that uh, we'll get into. But as my my guest, who I'll announce in just a second, it was one of my hesitancies of getting into podcasting in general was podcasting after a loss. How do you handle that? But we ha- we're going to handle it well. Uh, we're excited for it. We're going to kick things off well because it's our job. It is our duty as the Husk guys to maintain positive energy throughout this entire thing, bring the Kool-Aid, bring the flow the whole time. So we are pumped to get these things going. We got to get the vibes back up because the vibes are low, folks. So before we kick things off, and before I introduce our very special guest, we've got three presenting sponsors. We've got Pipeline Jerky, as always. So the line played pretty well. We'll get at, we'll get into that with our special guest. Line played pretty well. The boys are playing well. We need you guys to continue to support Pipeline Jerky. Those who are on the uh, on the YouTube stream can see we're eating Pipeline Jerky tonight. Every uh, bag purchased supports the offensive line directly. It's an NI opportunity for the Huskers offensive line. Uh, also, check out some of our gear at huskystore.com. We have shifted from uh, this is the year uh, gear to run the ball. Everything is going to be run the ball themed because that is what we should be doing, even though we continually pass uh, Satterfield. You're in my crosshairs. Uh, and finally, Landlord, look, the last decade, okay, two decades, they've given us a little bit of wrinkles. Some of us, we got some wrinkles. Uh, we may not want to admit it, but they're there. Uh, so how about this? Why not try and at least fight back a little bit, just like the black shirts? Fight back, defend against getting old and haggard and rundown looking. Land and Lore has all sorts of products that help you with this, and everything is from the land. It's natural, good stuff, made in Nebraska. When you try it, you get 10% off by using Huskies 10 at checkout. So Land and Lore at land-lore.com, proud sponsor and wrinkle killer of the Huskies podcast. So before, uh, without further ado. I'm very excited to introduce you guys, somebody who doesn't need an introduction, one of the godfathers of Huskers podcasting. He goes back eight years. We've been friends for a long time, purely internet friends that have turned into real life friends. Uh, very excited to have on Mr. Honky from the Go Big Red cast. Honky, say what's up. What's up, Dave? How you doing? Oh, man. We are good. Well, I'm mostly good. I'm actually not great, but I'm turning into better. So we'll, we'll kick it off that way. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, your tweet today that the, the evolution of Husker fans that oh, you know, man. On, on Friday, it's, it's over Saturday. Oh my gosh. Colorado's going to win the national championship. And by Sunday, okay, well, we kind of played okay. And Monday it's better. And then by today we're going to win it. So yeah, yeah dude, we're back. Yeah, we're yeah. right on pal. So, we've been, yeah. So <laughs> before we go through the Dave spiral of the spiral that I've experienced over the last five days. So, uh, yeah, definitely. You go into a deep, dark spot. I, I think like jumping right into it, right? So you were at the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start with a little bit of positivity first. We'll jump into some other stuff as we dive through it. But you went out there. You know, the, the best part of the season is is usually like the preseason and, and the offseason followed by pregames, right? And then the game itself like punches you in the gut and makes you want to die. But tell us about the atmosphere. What was it like up there? And you're also going to Colorado, so you're uh, you're full of all of it. But uh, what was the atmosphere like in Minnesota? What were the Husker fans like? Tell us a little bit about the experience of uh, popping up there. Uh, it was a great experience. There's a lot of people that we met uh, that we've known, kind of like how you and I got started all through Twitter and social media. A lot of people that I've met through social media that we actually had the chance to, to meet in person up there. Lions Pub, we were there on Wednesday night when the volleyball team had 92,000 people showing up at Memorial Stadium. So that was great to see that uh, in Lions Pub, which was f- packed full of Husker fans there. And then the next day we went back and did the 
uh, the pregame show. And yeah, we had everything from Sean Callahan was on it to we had John from Corn Nation. We had Malachi's parents. We had the dean of the College of Business on it. I mean, it was a it was a fun, fun filled, packed uh, pregame. And Jeffrey the Greek from Eyes on Big. So uh, just some people, even Big Game Boomer, met people that I've only interacted with on on a social media. Got to actually meet them in person. And it's kind of interesting when you do get to meet people in in person that uh, sometimes you walk away with different perspectives that uh, maybe you didn't have uh, beforehand. But it was a great environment. The Minnesota people, none of the uh, uh, the fearful pregame, you know, don't come here, you're going to get robbed and and all that stuff. Minnesota was great. They're awesome. Colorado I, fans I, are like that. Yeah, no, Colorado fans, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, and I should mention too, Vegas Jerry, my goodness, he put us up uh, for him and his wife's stuff, put us up for three days and was just an amazing host. So Vegas Jerry is outstanding. And uh, it, was, it was a really fun weekend. It was a fun game to be at too. Uh, the last five minutes. I wish would have finished different for us, but uh, there's a lot of good that you can take away from that game. If we didn't have six years of battered fan sy- syndrome built up in our heads uh, going yeah. into the game. What's so let me, let me ask you this. Did you think we were going into the game? What was your level of confidence that we were going to win? I, I just thought it was going to come down to the end. I, I figured that we'd be neck and neck with them. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't bet on games. I don't do pregame predictions with the you know the other guys were all oh, we'll win by seven or we'll lose by seven and somewhere in between and i was like well that probably sounds about right um everyone thought it would be 24 21 so i assumed it would be something completely different 13 to 10 or 38 to 35 you know it just right. it can't just be exactly how people think coming into it but it was very apparent you know one quarter into the game that oh my goodness this is not only is this going to be a low scoring game but I think with the new clock rules and everything, this is going to this is going to move by. And before you knew it, you're in the second quarter already. And I think you know each team had only had about one and a half possessions each, you know, on on average. So I mean, it was like, my goodness, this is this is going to be a little different than uh, previous years. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. So I've I've had some time to reflect, and you know, so I went into it, and on the first podcast, I even mentioned this, like because I did the season preview, uh, I thought we'd lose um, only because I just thought coming into a new season with a new coach and a new staff and, you know, all of the new players, and all the new transfers that we had. I just, I didn't love the matchup of going on the road on a Thursday night and playing against a seventh year PJ Fleck. I just didn't really love the matchup. Mm-hmm. And I had in it, I, you know, deep down for me, I had a concern that we'd get blown out to be perfectly honest. I just was like this, I just don't love this matchup. You know, I, I'd much prefer to start with Northern Illinois. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I sort of predicted this, the loss from the beginning, not to say like I wanted it, but, and then I, for the record, I then said, we're going to go 10 and two. So that is still on the table uh, after that, <laughs> after this. Um, I think what happened and why, like we're seeing like everything react the way that it was, like you said, there's this battered fan syndrome of it's probably the worst possible way that rule could have lost in the sense of for like the battered fan syndrome that is going on within Husker nation. Right. Cause that, mm. I think if we, and I, I, it's hard to say if we'd lost 35, nothing, if people would have been like, Oh, that was fine. I don't think they would have been. Um, but I think losing in a fourth quarter meltdown again for the 20th straight time or whatever it is, I think that's what caused a lot. You know, it's what's causing like the full blown meltdown and in combination with the fact that Colorado played out of their minds with the first year head coach, which we'll get into mm-hmm. later. But I, I think both of those things are definitely what's causing this, the swirl and the spiral that we're seeing across, across the way. So yeah, it's definitely like that. I don't know. It's like rule of, of all the ways to lose, you know, controlling and dominating game, which I guess let's, let's start there. Right. So we're, we're in the game, you're in the stadium. 
And the first quarter goes by, first, really the first half. I actually think we played really well the entire first mm-hmm. half. I think, you know, and I think the biggest bright spots we have are on the defensive side. I mean, I, defensively, I, I felt great. Even towards the end of the game, uh, you know, I had no issues with us, you know, kind of turning the ball over. It's like, oh, the defense will stop them, which I haven't had that feeling in a long time. But t- I guess tell me about the vibes in the stadium or what you felt about the first half, right? It flew by. They were controlling the clock like crazy. They were converting seemingly every third down conversion, but they weren't scoring, right? So they weren't scoring. Mm-hmm. And so it was still close. What, give me, give me your kind of first half assessment. Um, you know, what was it like in the stadium? How are you guys feeling coming out of the gates? Like, all right, does rule have this thing going on? Uh, you know, I think uh, across the board when Mac and I drove out there, we did, you know, our five expectations or things that we think will happen during the season. And the first one was physicality. We just thought we were going to be a more physical team than we've seen in previous years, based off of everything they've done from the off season practice camp, you name it. And, what we saw in, on all three phases of the game showed up right away. Uh, the kickoff return team that are our kickoff team. I mean, man, they couldn't get past our 20 that the, our guys are flying down the field, making good tackles uh, defensively, a lot of open field one-on-one tackles being made. But even, uh, even when we would get somebody kind of crowd, all of a sudden there'd be two or three more guys joining there. So it was kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of gang tackling going on there offensively. I think of the first play that we had the ball, they, punt us down to our one yard line on a very good punt, a hard, it would have been virtually impossible for Kemp to try to go up and try to catch that one. And it bounces down to the one yard line and we get under center and push them to the five yard line on the first play, four yards right up the gut. And so there was a lot of things from a physicality standpoint that I, I thought we were doing well right off the bat. Uh, that four yard quarterback sneak on the first play is interesting because Mac and I talked a lot about it on the way back on the drive back is that, when we get to running the football, we really have to appreciate a three to four yard carry right now and not try to move away from that. Uh, three and a half yards of carry gets you a first down if you do that three straight times. And right now with the the way the clock rules are and everything and the way that we're built as a team, we've got to appreciate three and a half yards. We've got to get first downs. We've got to keep clocks moving. And uh, I, there were some things we did offensively in the first half I liked. I liked some of the stuff with, with Jeff Sims in the zone read. I liked the under center eye formation uh, option that he did. Uh, there's things, there's areas where I don't think we're as, as good at. And and I think that's something that, uh, you know, Rule mentioned, I think it was on the Big Red wrap-up. He said it to uh, Mike Severe, Michael Severe before the season, that as the year goes on on offense, he was saying specifically to offense, we're going to cater this offense around our strengths. We're going to build up things we do well, and we're going to, take some of the things we don't do so well and probably not do them. And I think we learned some things in this first game, some things that I think we do well and, and definitely some things that I would try to stay away from. Yeah, I think so. Let's get into that. So so the offense is interesting, and we're focusing on the first half. Sims ran the ball a lot, and mm-hmm. I think he finished with 19 carries. So the, the concern off the bat with that is I think he's a great athlete. I think he can run. I, I agree he was running the, you know, the option well. He was pulling the ball well. His fakes were strong. Uh, but can you, can you run your quarterback 19 times per game? I mean, you could, when it was Eric Crouch and Frost back in those days, but you know, I think it's kind of a different age. And I think that was right off the bat. I was like, Oh my God, this guy's running a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the durability became a concern, but we put together some good drives. So, you know, that, that first drive was okay. But the, the second and third drive, uh, were strong drives. You know, I think even the, the, you know, the interception drive all the way down to the end. It's like we drove the entire length of the field, scored a touchdown, which by the way, did you guys know that we scored a touchdown? 
Did you yeah. Know when they were, did you did you know in the stadium that like they they weren't showing that play that it was really kind of suspect how they were doing. I think some of the uh, replay, so we couldn't exactly tell what they were referencing on the on the replay. But regardless, um, everything that I mean, we were getting text messages that yeah, we were across the goal line. They, that should be a touchdown. That we got hosed and everything. So. It was a while. Yeah, it was a while. So that drive was great, right? That's an 11 play. I'm looking at now 11 play, 58 yard drive. Strong. You know, we're driving the ball, running the ball, or like seemingly a pretty good in control offense. And I think that's everything that Rule was promising. Like this is going to be a team mm-hmm. that's in control. We're going to run the ball. We're going to, you know, have a little bit of dump out passes. Uh, you know, Sims is going to run the ball. I was like, this seems fine. And if it doesn't end in in catastrophe, you know, with with that interception, I think you're probably looking at that first half, seven three. Uh, you know, seven, three or three, three, and you're like feeling pretty good. Right. Would, would you agree mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the, it felt like there. Um, you know, you were, you were talking about, you know, Sims and, and the amount of rushes that he had, he had 19 carries, three of them being sacks. So when you sack adjust that there's about 16 carries. And I think that, you know, you could probably cut that in about half and go half of those could be option based zone read. You're reading it making those decisions that way. Uh, and the other half, there were a number of them that were QB leads where he's following a running back up the gut. And those are the ones where it, 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 that's just got to go. Eventually that's got to go to Irvin. And yeah. he's your starting running back. You have seven carries with them for 55 yards, 7.9 yards a carry. Yeah. I mean, when you do the sack adjustment on, on how many yards we had, we had, it was like um, 34. I had the number somewhere. It was like 34 carries for like 200 and some yards. It was, 6.0 something yards a carry when you remove the sacks from it. If you're running the, that's a good, that's a positive that comes out of this. We <laughs> first, the ball. It's the first really down well. the play. Yeah. We're running the ball really well against Minnesota and Minnesota's defense is going to be better than Colorado's. Yeah. So better. that has to be a takeaway from this where you, you just, you can't walk away from that game. If you're the coaches and look at that and go, uh, you know, we need to go in some different direction. We need to throw the ball more or whatever. No, we need, absolutely to to get in some some big sets and Irvin's got to get the ball more there uh fullbacks tight ends you know all three of those running backs can can run it too but uh, we've got to get Irvin the ball yeah I think that's I mean that's the run the damn ball it's like you just you, you got to figure out how to get him the ball you got to figure out how to pound the rock and like mm-hmm. we just weren't doing that I think that's you know I, I, again so it's like if you look at the first half you're like, okay, we're playing a Minnesota team tight. Like, I would have signed up for that all day. Three, you know, three to three, three to seven, mm-hmm. three nothing. Like, that's a great half. We're not getting blown out right in this game, you know. And I think everybody went in half thinking that. But I, I will say so that the interception was, was bad. And I think that all three of the interceptions really, I think, is what's causing a lot of angst amongst Oscar mm-hmm. Nation, including myself. Of they were bad interceptions. There's no other way around it, right? I mean, the the, the interception at the end of the half in the end zone. He's staring mm-hmm. right at the guy, you know, just looking him down, you know, and it, I don't know if you caught that while live in the stadium or you caught any of the replays, but it was like, you know, I think he had Borkature right in wide open, him, wide open. And it, even open. he was, if he had thrown it a little bit, you know, a better touch pass toward the back of the end zone, he also completes it. So it was almost like there was like 10 different ways that play could have not ended <laughs> in disaster, mm-hmm. including throwing it out of the back of the end zone. That would have resulted in points. So I, I don't know. Do you have concerns about, it's probably too early to tell, but you know, Sims had a ton of interceptions at, at Georgia Tech. Big time turnover, low completion mm. percentage, and he showed that a little bit, you know, on on what, what Thursday. 
do you have any concerns around that or is it more just like let's let's refocus the offense around what he's done really well which he ran the ball extremely well yeah i if i'm the defense i want to see him standing in a pocket every play whether he completes 50 straight passes on us i don't care if i'm the defense i still want him in the pocket every single play uh it's it's a vision thing it's a decision thing it's a poise thing Shadur sanders had great poise in the pocket against tcu Yep. Um, I know he can run the football, and yet he didn't really go off and take off a lot of times. He felt he felt the rush coming, and he knew when to get rid of the ball. I never saw that from Sims pretty much from the start. I never felt comfortable with him in the pocket. And it wasn't just throwing interceptions. It's missing wide-open guys. It's taking some sacks that didn't need to be taken. I don't yep. know that he had – and then, by the way, then our offensive line sucks, of course, when, when we get a sack. I mean, that's just the way it happens, right? And so, so what happens is – he gets the same amount of pressure on him that we were getting on Minnesota's quarterback. The Minnesota's quarterback would feel that pressure roll and he would it. roll out, get away from it. And uh, sometimes make a pretty simple pass out of the pocket or he got like, rid of it or just got rid of it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with, with Sims is that he is so dangerous outside the pocket. We see that when he's running the football, but on the throw too. And when you roll somebody out of the pocket, you can start to, from a decision-making standpoint, you can cut the field into half. You can make it to where, hey, there's two receiving options over here or run. Everything's fast. I mean, there were just times that just things felt slow. The decision-making felt slow when you sit standing there in the pocket and he's just trying to read too many things there. And so I think as we talk about what does each player do well or what is this offense going to do, even the Anthony Grant fumble, why was he on the field that play? Because that play, they said Anthony Grant runs that well. So they identify yeah. plays that players run well versus not. I think with Sims, there's got to be some things. I'm not saying completely tear the whole playbook out, you know, that part of it. Uh, we're going to still throw out of the pocket some. Don't get me wrong. But there are some things, especially early in the season right now, that I think we can we can tear away right now and not not focus as much on. If I think we can beat Colorado offensively. I think we can move the ball and score touchdowns on them just by doing zone reads, options, power football, play action roles, you know, get the quarterback outside the pocket and seeing a run pass ratio that's going to look a lot more like a, you know, 66 to 33%, maybe 70 yeah. 30 kind of thing. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. I, I guess so here's as we transition into in the second half really. This is where it got weird for me. Mm-hmm. is, again, I think the first half, you look at it, you're like, okay, we're playing well. And even really the start, right? So the start of the first half, you've got the Ramir Johnson uh, kick return followed by the Alex Bullock touchdown, which was the most bizarre touchdown of all time. <laughs> I mean, like, do you guys, did you guys know what was happening in the stadium? It was right in front of us. And so the angle that we got, we got to see, um, I guess it was Grant, turn back around and then throw it backwards and have it not be caught. And the pass that he threw looked really bad from our angle. It looked yeah. a little better on TV, it looked like, oh, you know, Sims just dropped it. From our angle, it looked like, what a terrible throw. But but Sims just had all the time in the world. And by the way, outside the pocket for what it's worth, too, to yeah. pick it up and, you know, just sling it. And then, you know, we're looking at, before he even threw it, I look in the end zone. I'm like, oh, that, that dude's wide open. <laughs> we yeah. just get it to him. This is a touchdown. And um, and so it, it, was a, it was a pretty amazing play. Yeah, I mean, so that's, it's, it's funny you say that because that was the most relaxed he, throw he threw all day. Mm-hmm. And it was on a, a ball that he was bouncing like a basketball, you know, and picks it up in sidearms and just like effortlessly throws a touchdown. You're like, okay, he's got it. Mm-hmm. Like Sims, he can do it. He's got, he's got it. He's got it in there. It's like, you know, I, I just think to your point is he he's not a drop back passer. So like that, that's where it was. That showed me a lot about him. He's got poise. He's got, he's an athlete. 
you know, Bullock can catch. Good. I'm like good across the board. So now you're starting, you know, at seven three. Defense is playing well. They followed up a three and out. Uh, but then we back it up with the punt. But going into oh yeah, Omar Brown interception. I guess where it got weird for me again. So this is even like all the way up through. Then we had a 13 play, 80 yard drive, fantastic drive, all the way up to a field goal. Would have liked to punch it in, finish with a field goal. We're up 10 3, and we're playing extremely well. So this is 13 play, 80 yard drive, seven minutes left in the quarter. It's feeling great. I mean, did you feel great at this point in the game? 10 3, we're controlling the ball. The defense is playing well. Like, were you feeling extremely strong like I was at this point in the game? Yeah. I mean, the way our defense was playing, it felt like it was going to take a lot for Minnesota that we were going to have to make mistakes to get give Minnesota a real short field because our special teams was playing well. Our defense was playing well, that it was going to take special plays by Minnesota and it was going to take some bad mistakes by us uh, to finish up that game to where at the very least that we would lose it in regulation. When we were up seven, I was like, man, we this should be overtime at worst the way that we're playing. Yep, exactly right. And I think that so with all the momentum on our side, 10-3, we force another three and out, three straight incompletions, rushes through the, everywhere. You've got, you know, I, I, I forget if Ty Robinson was in the game at this point or he'd, he'd already been kicked out. We're, you know, we're, we're getting pressure. I'm like loving this. Yeah, he defense. was gone already by that point. He was and, gone already. But but even, mm -hmm. you know, polar bears getting sacked. Like guys are going. So we go yep. another three and out. And following this three and out, this is where you get into the three passes, which Satterfield's getting pummeled for. And I've softened my stance a little bit on this, but at the time in watching the game, you're dominating the ball. We just finished a 13 play 80 yard drive, running the ball like crazy. Gabe Irvin was running really well. Jeff Simmons was running well, really well. And we dial up three straight passes that take 55 seconds. And those 55 seconds give them right back to Minnesota. So I've softened my stance on this a little bit only because the first pass, and I don't know if you guys saw it in the stadium, Tommy Hill was so open. Sure. It, for all the talk coming into the season about our wide receiving core, and I was having discussions pregame with some people about, you know, we don't have receivers that can, you know, take the top off. We need receivers that can take the top off. I've always thought that's one of the biggest BS statements I've ever heard. We've got fast guys. I mean, if it's just about speed, we have guys that can beat somebody, you know, running down the down the field. That's not – but taking the top off, so much of that is built upon what your offense does that with play action and everything. Tommy Hill took the top off, so to speak. He was five yards, six, seven yards behind the guy. So it had nothing to do with not being able to have a receiver take the top off. We couldn't complete the pass to the guy who we took the top off to. So we couldn't it, we couldn't complete the pass. It's no different to me than having Borkature standing there wide open but not seeing him. It's one of those plays that, in that sense, is it one that, that we can, on a routine enough basis, complete and, and be successful doing? If it is, keep it in there. Yeah. And if not, if it's – I don't want what it could have should is. I don't mind the call in the sense that we thought that we had a chance to get him open. We got him open. We whiffed on it. Once you whiff on it, man, when you get the second down – and third down, we need to move some clock, and we need yeah. to run the football, and we're getting six point, uh, you know, something yards per carry, and uh, that's the frustrating part. I think that I would have, um, not the first play; it's the second and the third one that we yeah. need. We need to be able to to get the ball to our running backs and uh, try to run the ball there at the end. But the, yeah. the taking the first shot was was worth a shot, I, I guess. It just it, it's bad. It's too bad because he was there. 
Yeah, and I, you know, again, I saw my stance at, at the moment. I like lost sleep over this, and you know, the first, <laughs> the night of it, I just was like, I cannot believe this. Like three straight passes, and like you know, as I was replaying the game Thursday night, it's like I can't believe we just like that drive like was mm. where everything because it, it's really where everything stopped. It was following a 13 play 80 yard drive where we dominated yep. and we chewed up eight minutes of clock was how long that drive took followed it up with you know a 55 second drive that gives the momentum right back to him but i i guess because that you know some of it's hard because we were spoiled with casey thompson and trey palmer they complete that pass 10 out of 10 times last year sure. it's a game changer and you know wins you the ball game and without you know and then you're like I don't, you know to your point can sims complete that pass and if not then we're mm -hmm. done with it. And then the next pass also Kemp was open on the next pass too. So again, yeah. I've stopped, I've stopped on my stance. Cause I'm like, all right, Satterfield, like who, you know, I think it's easy to always hate the offensive coordinator. He called two plays. They're open both times. Just didn't complete the passes. And they're like, all right, is Sims not seeing the field? Is it just like weird luck? Is it the windy? You know, I heard it was windy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So that, that yeah. drive was like definitely a point. That was a turning point in the game. That that first down pass is probably my most disappointing throw the whole game from Sims because that's the kind of play I expect him to make. That's an easy enough throw. You just have to have the arm to get it there. That's an easy enough throw because it's a one-on-one -on -one quick decision, play action, set the guy up. Tommy Hill got deep. That's a pass that I I'm not sitting there say take that out of the, the playbook. That one needs to be there, and he needs to be able to hit that. That also, in my opinion, the way that the game was flowing at that point should have been the last throw of the game for us, at least yeah. of the regular of the the fourth quarter. I, I didn't see another reason after that that we needed to pass again. Um, when the Sims and Thompson's comparisons kind of come in, and easy, it's easy to make that. Yeah, I think Thompson makes some of those throws that Sims doesn't. We also Thompson can't come close to running some of the plays that Sims ran early in the game too. So right. they're different styles, and we need to think of that. I, I honestly think that we. We simplified some things on defense. I know Tony White wanted to blitz more often than he did. He did a couple blitzes, and Minnesota got the beat it a couple of times. And I think he kind of took a little more vanilla approach after that and just tackle well, stay in your lanes, and uh, we did that on defense. On offense, I wish we would have done less and and done less better. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's where my frustration coming out of that one game was. But um, but overall, I mean, it was we moved the ball well enough against that defense. We needed to, to punch in some more points. You can't leave that much, that many red zone points on the, you know, off the scoreboard and expect to win on the road like that. Yeah. So the, all good points. Actually, I don't even want to, I'm looking at these last four drives on screen. I can't <laughs> even, I'm not even gonna talk about them because it's a positive vibes only. Uh, <laughs> you know they're they're getting rightfully i think hammered for you know having anthony grant in there when like he's you know been a fumble machine why do you have your third string running back in there when you should just give the ball to you know gabe urban to end the game which it, it's tough to look at that because it is you know you're you're two first downs away from ending the game uh and we're on their you know their 40 yard line but um but i think those aside and here's kind of a question i thought it was interesting i was listening to to nick nick bod and rude this morning I think they do a great podcast and they're kind of asking this just overall philosophy on why kind of the why behind why this keeps happening. I think Damon Benning talked, everybody's sort of like trying to figure out you've played a really great 55 minutes, really great. Like I, that, that's what's like giving me hope and promise for the rest of the season. I got a couple of things that are giving me hope and promise for the rest of the season. One defense is much improved. You can win a ton with a strong defense Two. Mm -hmm is you know 55 minutes of strong football like those things will improve over time and thirdly which we'll get to later on is the big 10 is a terrible conference 
And so we don't have to be that good to beat other teams in the Big Ten. If you watch the rest of it, Purdue lost to you know Fresno State, and Wisconsin's not that good, and Iowa still can't score, and Illinois needed a miracle to beat Toledo. So you don't need to be that good. You can be, this is good enough to beat them. But if we can't finish the last five minutes, none of it matters, right? So they mm. were talking like, do we not have the elite player that can, you know, can finish a game? Is it, you know, is it just mental, mental block that, that exists at the end of the game? Like, how can we continually dominate 55 minutes of every game and seemingly have these like mind blowing mistakes at the end? What do you think that is? Well, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> it felt different. This game did because, uh, this felt like a 60 minute game that we played. There's so many other times I'll just say over the last six years where we've been a very Jekyll and Hyde team where you're really good for one quarter and you're really bad for the next, or you're really bad for one half and you come back out the next. And this was for the most part, it was sloppy like a first game of the season would be for a lot of teams, but at least it felt like it was 60 minutes of fairly consistent football being played. Uh, Boomer took care of our social media while I was at the game. And it was the next day I saw him respond to somebody that said, you know, how can a coach that's this experienced, you know, have such a such a inconsistent team, you know, or it's such a mistake prone team in game one. And Boomer's response was, well, you know, both coaches are experienced and both teams would have had that same question afterwards because, you know, both of them did that. Watch Clemson last night. Uh, yeah. Dabo's been around for a little while. Right. And that was a pretty mistake prone team. And it hurt him at times that that killed him. Uh so from that perspective, once I could walk away from the game a little bit, watch some other teams go through some of the same things, it felt like a kind of a, a first game, first game kind of, you know, we always say that you don't, teams more often lose their first game than go out and win it in terms of like making a mistake. You know, they, they find a way to lose it. And my, my concern or my frustration is always going to be on the offensive side with running the football. If you're running the ball well, I just, I think, I think coordinators sometimes outsmart themselves. They think too hard. TCU got the ball last week at the one-yard line against Colorado, ran it the length of the field, got down to the three-yard line, threw an interception at the goal line, and threw it to the threw it to Hunter, their best cornerback. Yep. And you just sit there and you hit your head and go, why? You know, you, you work that hard to get 90-some yards. What What is the, the hesitancy to just get under center and have a fullback out there and yeah. get double tights and just – run with your 230 pound back. And that's, that's what I want to see us do. Um, we've got to convert when we get into the, to the red zone like that, we've got to convert touchdowns and not have field goals. And then, and yeah. if we do that, then that game is, that game isn't coming down to the last five minutes. And that's the problem. We come down to the game in the last five minutes and it's still seven points, but we probably were 14 points better or 17 points better the way we had played the entire rest of the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's man. I think that is what's killing Husker Nation. Really, is mm -hmm. gosh. When you look at these games, and, and again, I'm coming into this game thinking like, okay, Minnesota, they're big, they're big mm -hmm. offensive line, big defensive line. They're well coached. As much as I hate to say that, because I can't stand PJ Fleck, they're well coached. <laughs> you know, and they're they're just going to run the ball and they're going to bleed us out the way that they always do. And then you're midway through this game, and you're like, God, this Minnesota team's not that good, and we are kind of good. And then you're in the third quarter, and you're like. This Minnesota team's really not that good, and we should beat them. And then you're late in fourth quarter, and you're like, here it is again. And this has happened over and over and over again where we've made Michigan look not that good. We've made Michigan State look not that good. We've made all these teams like look worse than they are. And then if you could just finish and have, you know, it's just one play. 
I think that's what's killing me is, you know, Gifford drops a third down interception in the end zone. There you go. The game's over. Anthony Grant doesn't fumble. The, the game runs out. The clock just runs out entirely. Jeff Sims doesn't throw that yeah. interception. You go to overtime. Maybe you win the game. You know, that you don't have the face mask penalty. I mean, there's there's almost it's never like one play. It's usually like 10. Right. And, yeah. and you're like, we just need one player to make one play. And you're one in and Minnesota. Minnesota had that one player make that one play on exactly a fourth right. down and just made a ridiculous catch. Right. It, yeah. It, you know, it comes down to players making plays at the, at the end of the day. Uh, I was so impressed with certain players, like some of the progress I've seen met Nash. Nash doesn't make it five plays in a row last year with strength and conditioning, and everything. He, he looks like a different player now he was out there and then he really took on a big uh, role once Ty was off the field too. And then a lot of times he was flanked by really young guys. Cameron Leonard played a lot Leonard, yeah. in that game. Great. And, uh, and even Gunnarsson, you know, that's really his first extensive, uh, you know, outing too. Um, you know, I think Minnesota is a good team and this is something that gets lost in this is right away. Well, if we, you know, if we played them that closely or whatever, somehow the mentality comes out that, well, that wasn't a very good team that we just played. I think right. Minnesota <laughs> could be a really good team. And what if and I'm just throwing this out there? What if TCU is really crappy? Yeah. Now we don't yeah. know that because they were ranked. And uh, I gave the example of, of Maryland 2019 Maryland came out beat uh, Howard I think it was 73 nothing in their second game they came out and they beat an un uh, they beat a ranked Syracuse and blew them out and all of a sudden everyone was like Maryland's the the greatest team oh my gosh nobody wants to play Maryland Maryland ended up three and nine and that Syracuse team that they beat early in the season ended up five and seven and both of them weren't very good I don't know how good Colorado is right now maybe they're as good as everyone on ESPN says they are or they may have just beaten a really bad TCU team that played really bad yeah. and is a fraction of the team that was playing in the playoffs last year. We'll find out more. We'll learn more about them this weekend, and we'll learn more about Nebraska this weekend. But I do know if this is a baseline for Nebraska, if the baseline is that we're going to play special teams and defense like that and that we have a quarterback that can run the football like he did, but we need to really hone in on the strengths of what these guys do, if this is our baseline, I mean, I think we're going to win some games this year. Yeah, great point. So as we transition, so mm-hmm. this is now we're transitioning from Minnesota to Colorado. This is a great segue. First, okay. check back in with our presenting sponsors. Everyone check out pipeline-jerky.com as well as land-lore.com uh, for all of your skincare needs. Check out both Pipeline Jerky and landandlore.com uh, presenting sponsors as well as the huskiestore.com to get your run the damn ball hat because we need to be running the ball more. Perfect segue, Honky, into <laughs> our friends at Colorado. So this is so I I will admittedly. So this now I've I've gone through a wild range of emotions on the Nebraska game, but also the Colorado game. So hand up, I, I thought Colorado was going to stink. I really <laughs> did, I didn't see it. I was like, this is a clown show. And I think every I think there are a lot of people like me that felt like that, right? You can't just get 80 new players and bring them in. And, you know, do all the social media, how budget, you know, and all these players, they look so small on social media and they're tiny and they're talking all this big game. And you're like, this is a one eleven team and they're getting wildly overhyped. So I watched that whole game start to finish with my jaw on the floor. I could not believe any of it. I just, I think purely from the place I was coming from, I legitimately thought they would lose 49 to nothing. I just thought he was mm-hmm. going to put, 
he was going to put a bunch of Jackson State players out there that just didn't have any business being on a field with the reigning playoff team like TCU. I didn't think they had any business being out there. I thought they were overhyped. I thought they were going to get completely blown out. So from that standpoint to where they were of, for me at least, instantly being like, I can't believe this. This is everything I had hoped Frost would do for us, right? It was just, you know, it was like speed all over the field and an electric quarterback that can find the speed and four different wide receivers at over 100 yards. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, they were fast and they had kick returns and punt returns and they were running out of the backfield that I was like, you know, just in awe that this team that I legitimately didn't think would get a first down was keeping up with TCU and then beating TCU and then handily beating TCU. So I think there was that anchoring point that I think everybody felt as they were watching it. If not only you're coming off the hangover of losing to Minnesota, but then you're also watching this Colorado team who's under a first year head coach who has all brand new players and is making no excuses and is beating the heck out of a TCU team. I think there was like that, that that shockwave that went through Husker nation, including myself just being like, what is going on? I will pivot and say then that again, having reflected on that game, I do think TCU is bad. (laughs) like I just think that there's like what happened there that there was like I think their defense is atrocious you watch a lot of the replays and the highlights players are quitting on balls like they weren't they weren't hustling like their linebackers are missing tackles like crazy and and then you even look at what happened in the game itself that they gave up so I've got it pulled up here I mean they gave up 500 yards you know they were giving up 260 rushing yards they're giving up just like obscene levels of mm-hmm. uh, yardage of yardage of yardage of yardage, 150 kick return yards. And so you, you come at from that standpoint where you're like, I was shocked, completely shocked that they were doing this. But then you're also like, God, this Colorado defense stinks. What is TC doing? So I, I don't know. What Did you watch it live or you watching the whole thing unfold? Did you, yeah. have, did you have the same kind of reactions that I did? I watched the whole thing there. And, and number one, I, I said the same thing on Sunday and I'll say it again. I want to give credit to Colorado before I, critique them or anything yeah i think that they just the fact that they came out and looked like they uh you know had some concept of what they were doing i thought shadur sanders his poise everything just being on the big stage like that for the first time in fbs football outstanding i've got great things to say about him that way how sustainable is it how sustainable is it for uh travis hunter to get 120 snaps out there um that was a track meet that those two teams played when i Conversely, think about what Nebraska and Wisconsin just played, or Nebraska and Minnesota just played in a 13 10 ball game. And I compare that to what those two teams played. It it really makes me think that this is a game of, of differing styles. And whoever gets the style down is the one that's going to win it. Uh, you know, if we try to sit there and get into a track meet and, and go high tempo and all that with, with uh, Colorado, I, I think we can have some trouble. If we go out there and get an eight-minute drive right away, because, again, the new clock rules only help us. I mean, in that regard, <laughs> that clock, yeah. we could if we get three and a half yards of play and we just churn out a couple first downs in a row in a row, and this is this gets back to old-school Husker football, the three-yard runs in the first quarter by the fourth quarter or five, six, seven-yard runs. Uh, can we do that against Colorado? I'd be shocked to be 100% honest if we don't. Yeah. You know, we ran for over 200 yards sack adjusted against uh, Minnesota. They gave up over 200 yards rushing against TCU and TCU didn't even really try and you know yeah. to run it. And th- and they certainly don't have a Jeff Sims at quarterback. TCU didn't. We can run the football on these guys. We're big. I mean, when I looked at Nash, Nash was taking over the inside of that de- that offense line for Minnesota. And I was trying to compare what that would look like against Colorado. 
I don't think that, I don't know how much we're going to blitz. I'm not sure yet. We tried a few blitzes. They didn't always come home. I wonder if we're going to come. That This is the interesting thing for me, for me with Tony White is do we sit back and kind of do the eight-man zone, yep. only bring three, get those big, tall D linemen? There's a lot of shallow crosses that, that Shadru was, was completing. Can we get a, a Gunnarsson? Can we get a, a Nash to knock some passes down? If you knock one or two of those shallow crosses uh, down that none of them got knocked down last week yeah, against crazy. TCU. Yeah. Not a single one of them. We start doing that. If you get take away some of the safety net things that Shadur could just you know fall into last week, take away some of those. It'll be interesting to see what he does next. The one thing we never saw him really do against TCU, and this part actually scares me, is that I know he has mobility. I know the guy can run, yeah, he and run. he didn't really have to. And so there's going to be some play where we are in an eight man coverage. We got everyone covered. None of their four wide receivers that are four guys that caught 100 yards last last week get open. And then he takes off and he runs for 10 yards and get a first down. That's going to happen at some point. And that's a little bit defeating for a defense when that when that can happen. But it'll be interesting to see how do we do it? Do we spy him? Do we, you know, I I don't know what, you know, I can't imagine all the things that Tony White's going to come up with for this. But um, I just think that this is a game of being physical against these guys. Hit them on every single opportunity you have a chance to hit them. When Travis Hunter's lined up as a cornerback, block him. Yeah, block him over and over again. Run a run a pitch to his side and have the fullback lead on him. I mean, every time send Fedoni on him, knock Hunter around. It's not going to be 104 degrees on the field in Boulder like it was a week ago, but there can be other things that can get this guy worn out yeah. to where he's not going to want to play 120 plays. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think there is going to be an element of you know. I think I'm sure there was an element of surprise that came in for TCU of you have no idea what to expect. You have no idea what players are going to play. You don't know who's going to start. You don't. You have no film. You know you're looking yep. at Jackson State offense theoretically, but he's also got a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator. So, you know, hopefully, you know, rules up late right now studying some film. Uh, rule if you're listening. I hope you're not. I hope you're studying <laughs> film. But you know, it's like now you got some tape on him. You see all these plays. You see all what they're trying to do. And he's, you know, he even said in the press conference, I think yesterday or today, whenever that was, that they're going to try. You know, they're going to throw five to ten deep balls. So it's like, all right, we're preparing for deep balls. Let's hopefully we pick up the cues on when that's going to happen. Hopefully we pick up, you know, the tendencies and when a deep ball's coming. So I think, yeah, like you would think with with the advantage of not being caught by surprise that that plays in our favor. I think they're going to score. I think they're going to have a ton of yards i think that's just like it's it's a fast-paced offense but i do like man their defense stinks <laughs> so <laughs> i think that's where i come back and like i think we can win this game uh of you know we like exactly like you're saying if you control the, if you you know control the ball control the game you're gonna frustrate the heck out of them because it's gonna be a lot slower like that's what that first half of the minnesota game was unbelievably frustrating because they had the ball mm-hmm. for 15 of the, the 30 minutes or whatever it was 15 of the 20 minutes and if you do that to them, you've got these guys are going to be losing their minds. They're going to start forcing things. They're going to try to store too quickly. It's almost like what everybody did to Frost the last five years of you control mm-hmm. the clock, he loses his mind, he tries to throw super quick. That, you know, maybe that plays out in our favor. But I do think, you know, having the confidence to know that we can move the ball and they're, you know, not that strong defensively. They've got Hunter back there, but man, I don't know. I think that's what's like, that's what's giving me my, my juices back on a Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> I think the other thing is giving me juice, man, is like, I cannot believe how wildly this has swung that you went, we were eight point favorites, I think before our game and now Colorado's three point favorites. It swung 11 points over the course of 72 hours and the whole country. I just am like, I've never seen a hype train. I, you know, we pride ourselves on creating hype trains, but this is like, mm-hmm. I mean, they got three guys up for the Heisman after one game. 
they're saying Deion Sanders <laughs> is the greatest story in the history of like college football, that he's the most exciting coach in the history of college football. Like after four quarters, they've sort of just been anointed the kings of college football. And I, admittedly, it's fun to watch. But you're also like, it was one game. I don't know. It's like you, you got to figure like guys like Saban are sitting there like, what is happening in Boulder? <laughs> like, what do you mean? It, it's a, it makes for great television. Uh, and it makes for good ratings. And so, yeah, Rick Neuheisel said the center of college football is in Boulder next week. And yeah. I'm sure there's some people in Tuscaloosa with the Longhorns coming to town that would probably question that, right? Uh, that a 1-11 and 4-18 and from last year would be the center <laughs> of college football. But, hey, I guess, you know, the fact that we get to be a part of it is, is great. great. I, I, To be honest, I mean, a bunch of that stuff is just hogwash to me. At the end of the day, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get the first win of the rule era. And I don't know how different I feel about Colorado I mean, I, than I did before. I mean, I'm genuinely impressed. Like I said from the beginning, I'm genuinely impressed with what they did, that they didn't look like they were just tripping over their dicks, you know, for being the first game of the season. I mean, that's that's hard for a lot of teams. And we saw teams that have had coaches be there for, you know, I mentioned, you know, Clemson, but even, <laughs> even at times Duke looked like they were doing it and they ended up winning the game. You know, first games of the year, a lot of crazy things happen. And so, yeah, to try to come off of that, that game and come to some grand conclusion that this team is instantly great or this team is instantly terrible. You know, I, I we just have too many examples over the years of, of where, you know, you wait till the second week and you wait to the third week and you start to see something a little different. I'll be impressed with Colorado if they can do the same thing to Nebraska that they just did to TCU. Cause I think yeah. from a physicality standpoint, we bring something completely different when you can show that you can do it against multiple different styles of teams and everything that that's one thing. I think Nebraska can give a blueprint. If if we play the physical style game that I expect us to play, we're bigger than these guys. I mean, we just flat out are. anything about the coming off the bus. You know, hey, this team wins coming off the bus. Nebraska wins coming off the bus against against Colorado. But you got to play like that. I mean, we've got to bully these guys around. And if we can do that to, to Colorado, and they still go out there and put up. 38 points and beat us, whatever. I mean, my, my hat's off to him at that point. But, you know, you do want to make teams one-dimensional. And I know Colorado was one-dimensional last week. The problem was their one-dimension had 510 passing yards because yeah. it was like they were going against air. Yeah. We've got to be better than that. We just have to be better than that. Our defense looks so much better, so much improved. I mean, I would be shocked if we go out there and put on a performance that looked like what TCU did. Right. Yeah, I think that's you're exactly right. That's what sort of got me excited on this is, God, what an opportunity. I mean, I think it's just like for the number of times and the number of years that we've just been beaten down, we continually mm -hmm. find ourselves in these games like this. That's just what an unbelievable opportunity to completely right the ship. Every single time it has not worked out that way. Like, you know, I, I tweeted something earlier. That I was like, this yeah. is the most, this is the most hyped game since when. And it was like just breaking my heart because like, there's like a hundred comments and we lost almost every game. <laughs> it's like the USC <laughs> game, the Oregon game, the Michigan game. Remember when game yep. day came to count for USC, we lost. It was like, I was like, Oh my God, we lost all these, but it's like every time we continually have these opportunities placed on our table, you know, unbelievable opportunity on the grandest stage in front of a national audience to totally prove to the world that we are making a stance. You mm -hmm. just hope they can put it all together, but like what an opportunity that we've you know, presented. You put a game together, you beat Colorado after all of this hype. Oh my God. I mean, the mm -hmm. rule era begins. Right? Yeah, I, I think that's like the, the bifurcation that, that stresses me out is like, 
the rule error begins if you win this game. It changes everything. It really oh, does. It does. And then, but but I think if you lose, you've already got spiraling right now. I mean, the spiraling after that is just going to be like you know, like what role do the Huskies play in trying to like put this fan base back? <laughs> it's just like you can't do it, Uncle. I'm calling. I'm calling Uncle. Yeah, I mean, it, at some point you just kind of you know, we've talked about that on the Redcast. You just maybe walk away from Twitter for him a couple of weeks and hopefully get yeah. a couple of wins and, and uh, you know, kind of regroup uh, all off season. I talked about the the race to six and how quickly can we get to six wins? That's the most important thing to me is getting to that bowl game. And I, I said all along, it can take six weeks. It can take 12 weeks. Well, now we know at minimum, it's going to take seven at minimum, right? This week is big. Every game is big. And, and you and I, as fans, we can talk about the season. We can talk two, three games down the road. The team can't, but I would say you win this game. And from a mentality standpoint, now you come back home after playing two road games, and now you're coming home to play a group of five teams, and that mentality has to be, you know, to kill and kill. Get to that three and one. And then you talked about these big games that we played in, these big uh, these big atmospheres and everything. Even last week to play on Fox on 7 o'clock on, you know, on Thursday night. And now here we're going to play Big Noon, and we're going to be playing Prime, and it's going to be the epicenter of college football, according to Rick Neuheisel. Get to three and one, and when Michigan comes here, I know how good Michigan can be. I'm not sure, you know, but Michigan is going to be an untested 4-0 team by that time. They won't yeah. have played in, in a big game environment yet uh, at that point, and they'd be coming into Lincoln, Nebraska, where we would have a lot of momentum going at 3-1. and one. So back to the point of this weekend, how big is this weekend? It's it's huge. It gets things rolling. It gets things started. Uh, we were very close last week. In a game where, as you mentioned, you didn't think going into it that we might be that close. Or a lot of people, including Vegas, thought that it was going to be a seven and a half, at least point game. So it's funny. I don't bet. I don't get into all that stuff. The the BetCast guys, Dave and all those guys really want me to do it all the time. And I just don't. I don't I don't buy into it. I don't buy into spreads and and all that stuff because it's so reactionary. And then the second that one team does something now, the next week all of a sudden the spread changes 14 points the other way. And if Nebraska beats TCU badly or Colorado badly, then Colorado will, will suck again next week. I mean, it's you can't ride the highs and lows like that if you're a player. You just got to keep doing I was as impressed as anything with, with rules what he did after the game, which was he didn't throw anybody under the bus. There wasn't any crazy talk. He didn't come out and say we weren't prepared to go up against a three-man front or anything stupid like that. <laughs> it was literally – it sounded like a coach that was – okay, you know, I mean, we – we did this well. We need to work on this. We need to figure this thing out, and and we're going to regroup, and we're going to do it again next week. And keeping that consistency going, um, I hope they hit in practice today. I hope they hit in practice tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesdays. And then Thursday, uh, they get fast, I think. was it? A, what was it saying? Thursday and then Friday, we, we practice fast, something like that. But just consistency. This is going to be a week-after-week thing, and uh, keep getting better. They rotated a ton of players in that game. We got a lot of guys played. Special teams look great. Defense looked great. Uh, we looked physical. I mean, those are good baselines. If that's the baseline of this season, I think we're going to win some games. I do, and yeah. I know that's that's probably an unpopular thing to say right now. I mean, I'm you know somebody bookmark this, and I'm sure we'll come back to it in two months. But I think we're going to win some games based off of what I saw in week one, and and but we have to finish a game. You know, it's yeah. as simple as that. And I know that that's a been an, an off season priority. We got to finish. Yeah, it, look, I agree with all those things, and I think again, like I, 
I, hand up. I'm guilty too. I think that the first loss her always hurts me the deepest. I think mm -hmm. I always, I know I build myself up all off season to think we're going to win all of our games. And then that first loss always just feels like a stabbing in my soul. But <laughs> the thing that is pulling me off the mat is everything that we're saying, like, okay, so Colorado's next up. Um, gosh, I, you know, I still, I, I do strongly think that we're going to win this game. And, but I do think that what gets me going too about the rest of the schedule and the way this team is playing, you know, it kills me that we blew a fourth quarter lead because I, I think if we had won the game, I think we'd be in the driver's seat in the West. Like, I really sure. think that I just think watching the rest of the conference that you're talking about Illinois, you know, and, and Northwestern and, and Purdue, these are just not good football teams. And you watch them all on Saturday, they're not good. So I think there's, for me, it's almost it's less about like the loss, and it's more the missed opportunity to control our destiny in the West. I still think we can, but th I think that's the missed opportunity component. But you hope they can, you know, they learn from it, they internalize it, because that's what I, you know, as I look at the schedule, and this is what I walked through on the first podcast that got me the ten and two is, you know, if you, if you beat Colorado, you're definitely ripping off wins against Northern Illinois, and Louisiana Tech, not definitely, but theoretically you do. Michigan is the tough one everyone's focused on, but after that, you play an Illinois team that just needed a miracle. An absolute miracle to beat Toledo. Like they should have lost that game. They had a fourth, you know, fourth down, fourth and fifteen that he threw an absolute hail mary to like win that game. Toledo, mm -hmm. right? You got a Northwestern team that probably won't score a touchdown the entire season. That was the worst football team that I've ever seen. You know, Power Five football on Saturday. Purdue just lost to Fresno State, and they're an absolute disaster. They have a defensive coach that has put in like one of the worst defenses at Purdue. You know, Michigan State not that good. Maryland struggled, and then you've got Wisconsin and Iowa. It's like the rest of the schedule. It's not a gauntlet, right? And, and that's what's like, again, I think what causes me some angst and like gets me anxious but excited is like, this is our chance. Uh, you know, and I'm being probably like a little overzealous on this, but you know, ne next year you got USC comes to town and so does Oregon, mm -hmm. so does Washington, all these great teams. Like right now, I'm like, God, all we got to do is beat Purdue. <laughs> all we got to do is beat Purdue in Illinois. Like, good God, come on, guys. <laughs> I think so much of it is, is that we, we haven't gotten off to a fast start in forever. Uh, when Riley lost to BYU on that Hail Mary, that was the first season opening loss Nebraska had had since Ever. Florida State, like in 1986 or seven. We had the, we had the nation leading, you know, streak of, of opening game wins. It was almost 30 years worth. And then all of a sudden, since then, it just seems like about every single year we've lost. Now, now the last four years, including this year now. We've started at Ohio State, at Illinois, uh, Northwestern in Ireland, and then and then at Minnesota. Um, next year we get UTEP at home to start a season, so it is helpful. Sometimes just winning that first game, yeah. being at home, it's amazing how good team people feel right now about Team XYZ, who's ranked, who just beat a Group of Five team. You know, I, yeah. I saw some stat. It was the SEC that was real impressive. The SEC scored, you know, seven touchdowns plus on like half of their opponents, but they were like FCS opponents. And then yeah. when South Carolina plays North Carolina, they lose. When LSU plays Florida State, they lose. When Florida goes out to Utah, they lose. Um, people forget about that. So, you know, who you play right away and matchups and everything matter a lot. I think Minnesota, not PJ Fleck fan, I think Minnesota is going to be okay. I think they're going to be a pretty decent team this season. They're going to win. They're going to win more games than they lose. And there could be some ugly ones, although I think their quarterback is – is going to get better as the season goes on. I don't think that's a bad team, and I agree we should have beat them. Yeah, the only—I mean, the only—I went deep on this, and again, I did this on our first podcast. The only reason it's fresh in my memory. 
I think I agree. I think they're going to be, I think their defense is going to be significantly better than Colorado's and we're going to find, we're going to be able to like move the ball effortlessly in Colorado mm-hmm. compared to their defense. And I think they will be a, a better than not team, but I do think, so they play Michigan and they play Ohio state in their crossovers. And they also play North Carolina. I think they're going to lose all three of those. I just, sure. I don't see it with that team. Right. And then Wisconsin, Iowa, maybe they play those guys tough. Um, but that again, so this is more me backing into why like Minnesota is going to walk their way out of the big 10 West. And if we just beat them, we'd be like right in the driver's seat. But I think if they lose sure. Michigan and Ohio state, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Cause they're, they have the two big 10 losses at the end of the day. So, uh, I, I would agree. I think they're going to turn out better than we thought. Um, but I also just, it kills me when you're like 55 minutes into the game and you're like, we're dominating, I mean, we're dominating this team. <laughs> when you talk about like being in the stadium, the worst feeling was that fumble. And before the fumble with Grant, I was talking really cool Minnesota fan was sitting next to me and, and this tall kid that's in, in college. So he's about a foot taller than me, but he was a Minnesota fan. We're chatting and, and it was right before the the play that uh, Grant goes and fumbles. He he was asking me some of my thoughts on it, and I go, "What? Well, look down there. We got twenty three out there right now. We need to get twenty two on the field." That's exactly what I was talking. Like that's the guy right now. At that point, he had already had his fifty five yards. He's averaging over seven yards a carry. The guy needs to be running the ball. I'm not sure why we're not getting him out there. They give it to Grant. Grant makes one extra move, really nice move, but then that was enough to get the get the guy to fumble. It's just frustrating there. And then it's the slow death and Dave yeah. and I are sitting next to each other and we're just, we're just sitting there the last couple of minutes going, Oh, it's, it's just happening. I mean, and, oh, and they're just going to slowly move down and they're going to get, you know, get this last second field goal. It's painful. Yeah. I, I don't ever want to know it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. and I don't ever want to, that there's, I, I'm not going to tell a Husker fan to, to stop being angry or even, I'm not even going to tell them to be patient. I mean, really Husker fans have been patient. All I would ask for Husker fans is to try to separate the last six years of frustration from what Coach Rule is trying to do right now. Um, we started our podcast, as you as you well know, in April of 2017, three months after playing in the the Music City Bowl, and so we were fresh off of a, a disappointing nine and four season, quite honestly, in my opinion. But hey, you know it's nine and four. We'll go nine and four next year. We'll you know we'll we'll keep this thing going, whatever. And six years later, I mean, if you had told me that we're going to be sitting here. We've never been to a bowl game. We haven't had a winning season. All those things. I, I, I don't know if we would have done this to begin with. It is, it is painful. But, but there are things I saw last week in that game. The way that we ran and tackled and gang tackled and played competent special teams and caught it caught punts and uh, you know we just little kind of hidden yards that Kemp would do by catching the punt and getting six yards instead of having it roll for another 20 things like that. We haven't seen that in five, six years. It was a different type of game. We also played a really physical team that wants to get physical. And we went, you know, punch for punch with them to the very end. There's value in that, but that value now especially has to be seen against a team that doesn't want to do that. There's no way in hell Colorado wants to go punch for punch. There's no no way that they want to get in our center and try to pound it against us and vice versa. They want to get they want to keep this game a track meet. And that's why I keep saying this is a game of of styles, differing styles, and who can win it. And Nebraska needs to control what it can control. We have got to control that clock. We have got to just take every opportunity to hit those guys and pound on them and use our our strength. Uh, you know, they're gonna try to spread us out on defense. We're gonna have to make a couple stops here or there, but offensively, we have got to just pound them and take so much time off the clock. And then to your point, 
when you frustrated their offense so much because they haven't touched the ball in the last 10 minutes, then you panic. hope they, they start to panic. They start to make a, a bad throw here or there. Yeah, you just try to force it. I mean, we did. We watched it for five years of like, you know, Frost yep. gets super antsy and is like, all right, I'm going for the end zone. Like, Adrian's going to throw yep. a bomb. Like, we're going to do something crazy. And it just never worked out the entire time. But um, that's what happens when you have these Oregon style, Colorado style, like pass happy teams. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's like it's we play the Big Ten brand of football right back at them. And I hate it. Like, I think the Big Ten is brutal. I just was like watching that first half. It's like, man, new clock rules plus like these teams controlling the clock is like an absolute nightmare. We only had one, we had two drives in the first half. It's like, this isn't football. I thought yeah. the second half was a lot more entertaining, which is kind of what gets me excited for Colorado. It was like, that was a fun game to watch. And if it does turn into a shootout, at least it's exciting, right? At least it's like, it's better than watching Iowa bleed out. <laughs> I, I love watching quarterback-centric kind of, not, not, uh, I love watching option football. I love quarterbacks making reads and having a quarterback like Jeff Sims who can, who can really hurt you outside the pocket. I also don't want to see Jeff Sims taking countless runs right at the middle that are easily running back plays. So, yeah. You know, I mean, th th there's a separation there. Um, but the I liked a lot of what I saw in the first half in terms of how we moved the ball. Um, we just got to we've got to keep getting back to to uh, the, the the eye back part or the running back part of this with Irvin. And there's play action roles and things that we can do with Sims that, uh, you know, move him, move the pocket, get him outside of that. That stresses the defense every what time. Do what about Fidon? Well, I mean, it, you know, I think there was some uh, some media guy had, had already kind of written for Doni off, and I was like, "Good lord, the guy had, guy hadn't played a game in three years, had two season-ending knee injuries, and you know, he just I played a full I game." Think he's like, I thought he was like the total X factor that we potentially could use. Yeah, that, and and he I mean, still can he still can be. I mean, that the, and same thing with Kemp. I mean, Kemp didn't have a single yeah. catch, but I think they said he was targeted or was the first nine target times. on nine of it, nine of the plays. He just didn't get to him. That's again. Force the issue as as the play caller. Create plays where you're rolling out and there's only one or two options, and it's very clear. Get that ball to Kemp if that's what you want to do. It's very clear. Get that ball to Fedone if that Fedone if that's what you want to do. Make it. I mean, make it very apparent with how you call it. When you see the guy in the pocket and he's sitting there and his his head swiveling from left to right and he's having to make all these reads, I don't know. That just scares the heck out of me right now. And I don't. And I and it doesn't stress the defense. Yeah. Stress the defense by getting getting him out of there using his legs. Um, we have a dangerous quarterback, and I know it sounds – I know that there's going to be a lot of eyes rolled after he just threw in three interceptions, but that quarterback, when used properly, that dude can – he can do things to defenses that Casey Thompson I mean, certainly could. I mean, yeah, I think first half, some of those own reads, he, I think like his 26 – the 26-yard gain he had out of the back of the end zone, I thought it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think he can scoot. I think he runs the play action extremely well, like when they let him do it. I, I think he has the tools, and everybody can see it. I think, and you know, he had what 90 yards rushing, like he has the tools to be successful. Um, I just, I, it's hard because I think there, there were a lot of times where he felt like Satterfield was st still thought he was coaching Rattler from South mm -hmm. Carolina, right? Of like he's a drop back passer, he's just sitting in the pocket. And you're like, this guy's not meant to do this. So you hope that they can, you know, adjust for that. Um, which I think they will. So I'm going to bring yeah. it to our, we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, you got a score prediction for, uh, for Saturday. <laughs> I'm I'm ter I, I don't do the score predictions. I I what I just kind of break down is for Nebraska to win this. This is what I always say. For Nebraska to win it, this is what that has to happen. Nebraska needs to have probably I'll say 35 minutes minimum time possession. 35 to 40 minutes. Let's target that. 
keep their offense off the field, limit the amount of possessions that they're going to have, maximize the possessions that we have here. We've got to basically walk away with points, I think, on on probably 80 to 90% of our of our drives, walking away with either three, three points or seven. Um, I would, I'll, I'll throw a number out there. I think that 28 points should win this game. So uh, if Nebraska can get to 28 points, if we can get to the upper 20s, that 28 to 31 range, I think that that should be enough to win it out there uh, with the style, with the type of defense that we have. Um, if it takes more than that, if, if we have to score 35 and 42 and 45 points to, to beat Colorado, then I don't know. I know I probably wouldn't be a very good spot for us to be in. So anyways, I, but the thing is, I think that the, the, the style of play that we've talked about doing, being physical there, getting under center, pounding on these guys, taking up eight minute drives and everything, we can get to that 28. There's definitely a path for, for Nebraska to win this. And I do, I just, in general, I guess it's the optimistic side of me. I, I just think that I think we're going to win it. I think we're going to win it. Cause I think that we're going to play that style of football and I don't think that it has to come down to the to the final five minutes. Then we, I think we yeah. can have a more than a one score lead. And that's the thing when you come down to the last five minutes and, and the other team is still within reach, that seems to be where all the nerves are. If we could be up nine points, yeah, you know, nine points with five minutes left. You know, I I think that that's how we finally get over this little hump of uh, of having some rough rough endings. Is just yeah, have a little bit of comfort at the end. Yeah, I think look. I think we win. I said it. I said it preseason. I, I, no. I've changed slightly only a sense. And I'm like, Oh, they're significantly better than I thought they were going to be. I think it, I think it sets up extremely well for us. And it, I was on a group, our Husker group uh, text thread with, with Zach Lubeck and Chuck Hall and Alex Post, the guys from high school. And we, we were all watching the um, Colorado game together. And we're like, towards the end of the game, we're like, okay, this is crazy. I can't believe how good they are. But also the best thing that could happen to us is them winning this game. Yeah, And that was, I think Chuck uh, had said that. It was like, the best thing that could happen is that they win this game because, and I think if this has played out perfectly, is like if they had lost, it would have been like, oh, great effort. They can kind of play. But like they probably would have had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder coming into the game. Now they're top 25. And now they've got three guys up for the Heisman. And Dion's already been crowned, you know, coach of the year and the greatest story of the year. And these guys are feeling themselves, right? They are feeling themselves. They're talking about Heismans. They're talking about you know NIL deals. They're talking about all this stuff. Our players are getting nothing. Right. They're getting like booed around campus right now. And like you'd think that would fuel the fire a little bit for them, come in there of like, wow, nobody thinks we can win. The line has swung from plus eight to minus three. The whole country is bet like it's the most single most bet on game in all of football right now. Yep. Is everybody putting money on Colorado? The whole country thinks we're gonna lose. It's a great spot to be in because that's no pressure, right? I think I think six days ago, there's a ton of pressure on Nebraska to be Colorado. I don't think there's any now. I think everybody's expecting us to lose so the Dion, you know, parade can go on. And that's a great spot to be in as a competitor, as a player, as an athlete at Nebraska. It's like, wow, you get to go into Colorado's house in front of a sea of red. There's gonna be a ton of fans there, including yourself. Mm-hmm. And pull off the upset, right? That that's a great spot to be in. And I think them winning and beating TCU and not, you know, these guys are feeling themselves, they feel great about themselves. I think it sets up really well for us in that regard. And that I think that's what's kind of pulled me all the way out of like, I can't believe we just lost another one score game back to like, we got the opportunity of a lifetime right now. This is it. Like this is, we win this game. It changes the entire trajectory of the rule tenure. It changes the entire trajectory of the season. And instead of talking about Dan, they're talking about rule. I mean, what a spot that would be Saturday night, man. I would be, we're going to drink some beers. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure. You know, there's a lot of people that have bookmarked a lot of uh, tweets here over the last week, and they're just ready for, for Nebraska, win or lose, right? Uh, 
um, we win that game. There's there's a lot of people that have said a lot of things already in the last three or four days. I think that they would they would want to take those things back. Um, it, you know, we're zero and one in a game where we were seven and a half point underdogs and we lost by three. Um, it was frustrating how it finished, but the style of play that we played, I think, is going to translate very well to Nebraska. Not just Big Ten. I, it's too much times. Too many times. It's that this is Big Ten football we're playing. No, I think. To be successful, Nebraska needs to play what Nebraska football is. And Nebraska football is that physical style, that swarming defense, good special teams, getting under center, you know, being a run-based team. That's gonna that will win in the Big Ten, but that that's what Nebraska will do best ultimately anywhere it goes. And it travels very well. Play that style of defense against Colorado. And I mean, look, I think Colorado, again, I give them a lot of credit for what they, they did last week. But I know that we can defend that. I know we can. I know we can. I know we can tackle these guys. I know we can knock down passes. I know we can run on these dudes. So, at the end of the day, I mean, to me, it's it's going to go down. Let's watch a fun game. Let's watch a really fun game great. that that they're uh, going. Would not have, yeah, I'll be down there. Dave will be down there. Dave's trying to get his first away victory win since Colorado, nineteen ninety five. That will be oh his God. first away one. And, you know, we said this going into the 2019 game when we took over their stadium and then lost after going up 17 nothing. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, the kind of the downfall of Nebraska football, not to put a downer on this, but the downfall of Nebraska football started in 01 at Colorado. Right. I was at that one, the 62 36 oh, game, whatever that the score was. That was a nightmare. Yep. Well, this is maybe this is the one. This is how we get the mojo back. This is how we officially finally break the curse is going back to Boulder and, uh, you know, crushing their spirits right after Dion, you know, became the coach of the year. So we're that's, in, it, that's we're in it right there. That's the way we finish this thing off. Two guys that think we're going to win. We've come all the way back from the doldrums of a, another <laughs> one score loss to believe both of us are predicting Huskers win over Colorado. Thank you everybody for listening. This is the Husk guys podcast. Honky. Thanks man for coming on. Always appreciate you. Appreciate all of your generosity over the years coming on the show and invite me on yours and go big red. GBR.